welcome to the ARC Audio Book Club. Ever wondered what happens when two academics use the new medium of emails to explain their mutual attraction? You need to wonder no more. Semiotext published in 2015 the email correspondence between Kathy Acker and Mackenzie Wark from 1995. It lasts a little more than two weeks, but there are enough emails to make a book. Acker and Wark met briefly in Australia in 1995 and started a short affair they continued in emails after Acker's return to California. And although it's short, it's very intense and worthwhile. And to discuss this today is Emilia Bang. Hello. Sarah Amini. Hi. And Macon Holtz. Hello. Um, I really like this book. Um, I've been wanting to read Kathy Acker for a long time and I have her book Great Expectations at Home. And I've tried to read it, I think, like four times, and I haven't gotten beyond page 30. Um, because it is every time I started, it seems so inaccessible and like closed and almost really claustrophobic. Um, and I was wondering why I couldn't read it. And it's really been bothering me because she's an author I really want to read. And then I read this book, which, yeah, is her emails. And suddenly I could read her normal prose. Um, and maybe it's because like the other books are like so condensed and aggressive and like bloody and angry and reading like her emails made everything like so much easier and softer and like her emails I think are lovely and the way she writes I was yeah I fell in love with her So, yeah, I loved reading this book and I read it three times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all I got to say. Well, that's quite a... That was the end of the podcast. <laughs> Done. That's quite a transformative sounding experience. Yeah, I, I read um, Great Expectations um, a couple of months ago on the recommendation of Rebecca Lund before we did the, the growth event. And it was just like this crazy intense thing. And literally, I can say that... Like all, like the the impression I had of reading it stuck, but really no content did. Even though it was like I could tell it was like it was. I can I know that it was violent, and there was a lot about sex and relationships in it, and lots of kind of appropriation going on. But how, what form it took, I don't really know. I was just kind of in this experience, and I I and I need to go back and read it more thoroughly. But this was this was reminding me of that in a very friendly way. I found. That's true. This pro book is probably more an experience to read than it actually is. <laughs> like, I don't know. You, I feel like I also kind of have forgotten the content of this book, but I just remember what it feels like to read it. Which one? I mean, this. I'm this very one, into. I have you. not read anything, read anything by Kathy Acker before. No, except apparently for a few pages and Great Expectations, which might actually have been <laughs> Charles Dickens. We're not quite <laughs> sure <laughs> because apparently she just copy pastes from Charles Dickens. So I might have read the very coherent parts that are not by her, her but by Dickens, yeah. actually. Copy <laughs> editors of the Penny Dreadfuls. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because um, Great Expectations is, like, so disorientating. Um, it tells the story from, like, so many perspectives and, like, several people. And every time that I felt like, okay, this is the same person, but younger, but maybe older now. And I never really knew what the fuck was going on in that book. And so... It was really hard work to read it, yeah. but it became, like, after I felt I had a sense of who had written it, it just became a much better book, which is slightly embarrassing to say. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think that's, yeah, I think that's really interesting because one of the things I was thinking about is, like, we always try in this 
uh, podcast to discuss books as if they are um, kind of separate entities. Mm. Um, but I think this is, it would be literally impossible to like imagine that we could separate this from the authors and their actual biographies and all that. Of course, because it yeah. isn't, you know, a fiction work, obviously, but, mm. you know, it, it it's not, they're not resting on the content of ideas. They are, like, it's the lives that we're looking at. Mm. Yeah, and I have this very rigid fantasy of not attaching the book to anything, not an author, just like seeing it as detached text and, but it's impossible. <laughs> I just, I would really like to be able to do that. Yeah. But I didn't, um, I couldn't detach it completely from the, the actual people who wrote the book, but I did find that in some ways you can actually kind of read it as a novel in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because of the, the sort of the displacement in time that occurs somewhere in the book, the yeah. emails start to cross um, each other. And um, because of that, it sort of like puts you at a remove because you sort of notice um, that it's that it's set up, that this is that you're not reading it the way they would have read it kind of thing. And you become aware of the structure of the book and you become aware that it is a, a collection of emails. Mm. But I think they, they seem to have gone to some lengths to like try and reflect the reading experience of the emails themselves by like having them compound uh, subject marker things so mm. like they have like they're talking about let's see um uh for ages there's low there's the subject um subject for a long time and, <laughs> and neocons yeah. and um, the subject subject is queer as favorite fuck, of the fuck 90s. Is queer. <laughs> yeah and, and they quote each other and copy paste a lot from each other's yeah. emails yeah and, and i thought like that was really nice that you could have like all these different like it, it's really interesting how the email thing rather than letters where you have this kind of formal sort of thing, but also, you know, not as extreme as instant messaging where you're just saying, you there yet? Mm. Uh, um, like the email form With kind of... small letters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of lets you like, um, lets you pile up like a conversation where you have all these different threads going at the same time. And it was just... But at the same time, I also thought that it was like, it, you can tell it's written in the 90s because they seem to not be able to see, as soon as they're writing an email, they seem to not be able to see yeah. the other person's email. It's like, you know, Gmail has not been invented <laughs> yet with like the conversation thread where you can go back. So it's like, it's as if like, yeah, now they're yeah. stuck in this browser. So they just have to go for it and try to remember what it says yeah. in the previous email. And also speaking of the 90s, they're mentioning Simpsons like, have oh, you yes. seen this new show? <laughs> <laughs> and they're talking about how Beavis and Butthead doesn't translate outside the US, but the Simpsons does. Yeah. <laughs> I loved all those like references to the time, like to the 90s. She was also at one stage, she said something like, the phone's ringing. How can the phone ring while I'm on this thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Magic. Yeah. But so I have a question because there are two people here emailing each other. I I have a very strong opinion on this. But who is your favorite person? Kathy. I feel like I'm going to be in the minority here. I will let Megan go first. I'm I'm very I, I think I find them both very simple people. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, I, no, I, I, no, 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 no. Don't I, you do that I, now. I, how, how do how do I do this? How do I do this? Like how do I go like, well, she has this kind of like a crazy power of an artist who's quite, you know, well known with a bunch of other kind of insecurities that also make her the artist that she is. And he has like all these weird kind of like academic future um insecurities going on. But whose writing style did you just enjoy the most? I think in some ways, like I think that Kathy Acker's was more natural or was like closer to whoever I think Kathy Acker is. And I think Mackenzie Walk was always trying to play a little bit of academics going on. Yeah. 
Um, but we no, don't know who she is, so like we can't judge no, 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 her. No, no, no. But like, like, so the impression I get, mm-hmm. based on that impression, I think Kathy Acker is probably closer to that. Um, Mackenzie Walk, I think, you know, if it, only on the comparison of these two um, bit, sample bits of data I have here, <laughs> I, I would say that uh, Mackenzie Walk seems to be trying to use academic tricks to allow himself to come through that kind of nexus. But, like, I kind of relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't like either of them in this book, to be honest. And I got... No? Really, no, they didn't... I didn't understand these two people, I think, and I didn't um, I didn't understand what they were trying to get at with each other, really. Um, I preferred reading uh, Mackenzie's emails because they were coherent, and... Uh, I thought the incoherence of Kathy Acker's emails were irritating. I didn't think they were charming or endearing or or in any way like they they just annoyed me. Though I could I can see I couldn't tell. I think they annoyed me because I couldn't tell if she was trying to like hide something behind the confusion in her emails or if she was trying to reveal something. And to me they just seemed very dishonest, just like in their honesty. And I didn't like that. Oh, like the Taolin kind of combination Ooh. of things. I haven't read Taolin. But, <laughs> but that's Probably. the whole thing, like, like where, you be, where you be so honest, you deceive people, or you manipulate them because you're being so honest all the time. <laughs> okay. yeah. I had the opposite thing. Like, I totally, I, I felt like I could relate to both of these characters. I felt like they were both my friends, and I was, like, scrolling through their, their flirting <laughs> with each other, and I was, like, I was cheering for them to, like, you know, get to understand each other. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love Kathy Acker. Like anyone who will write, I think, in her first or second email to her crush about her teddy bears and how easily penetrable they all are and how she has a million cats inside her. And I thought she was wonderful. I actually also and think... Ken- sorry, go ahead. Mackenzie seemed... Something that surprised me was how nice they were to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, that yeah. to me was like, yeah. wow. When she freaked and was like, yeah. hey, I don't know what you, you want with me or why you're in this, but I really like you. And then I had, I thought that he would be, well, like, not my problem. Mm. But he was very nice. Yeah. Um, I think but that- he was strangely like Teflon. Like, mm. yeah. Yeah. She was rambling. Mm. Yeah. And I can see how that might be like an annoying read. I loved it. Mm. Um, but he was just. His emails are just like weirdly formal and yeah. it seems as if she has m- way more at stake I mean, than they he are, does. I mean, they are, they are sending it to his work account. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I did notice that. And what's Acker's email? It's uh, acker at eworld.com. Yeah. yeah. And his is like... His is like uh, O-S-C-M-Q edu A-U. So it's like, it's definitely a, a university account. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I think, I think I, I got a similar kind of vibe of that. And I thought it was... Um, I think, yeah, I think it is interesting that I think it's just like a trap that people who are academic-y fall into a lot of the time mm-hmm. where they just, where they think they have one skill and they're going <laughs> to, they're going to lean on that. And that's the kind of thing they base all of their identity through. But I was also going to say what I thought was really interesting is like if you relate in that discussion of like him being very nice when she was freaking out, like, and that being a surprise but then I think it makes so much sense with the whole discussion of like, you know, man, men, men and women, women and all these kind of things and like him not wanting to be any of those kind of things. So they kind of relate like completely as people, I think, which I think is really nice. And that's what we, the nice feeling you get from it is that they're not being roles other than famous author and 
uh, up and coming acad- academic. So it's. Mm. But at the same time, they really are though, because like he's he's way younger than her. He's more than ten years younger mm. than her. He's like thirty four, and he's just published his first book when they um, start this correspondence, and she's quite famous already. Like she's mm. everyone in those circles knows who she is. So he, I, I felt like I could definitely feel him um, trying to impress her and trying to live up to yeah. whatever he thought. She wanted, and she like several times says like I'm not the Kathy Acker that you see in the public image, um, mm. and I feel like he doesn't get away from the Kathy Acker he thinks she yeah, is. Yeah, that's true. But that's also kind of what makes people interesting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's why I read this book. <laughs> but yeah, after having read just one of her books, uh, Great Expectations, I was thinking, holy shit, it must be really lonely being able to write like that and writing like that and people's perception of who you must be if you write like this. Yeah. Um, like, semi-dangerous. And also as a myth. So it seems like as if like when she refers to these motorcycles that she apparently has at her disposal... Uh, as her myth, it seems as if like she knows that Mackenzie Wark is riding into this idea of Kathy Acker mm. and that, yeah. you know, these motorcycles kind of embody apparently this idea and she's slowly dismantling it. Though she does go on a motorcycle ride. Yeah. So not dismantling it. <laughs> and they're like circling each other yeah. by talking about gender a lot yeah. and trying to find like the spot where the revolutionary potential for gender is and it's in the difference that mm. you somehow have to make yep. that like fluent mm. and then Mackenzie Wark says like you are a better man than I am <laughs> yeah. and yeah. somehow that seemed like an insult and I don't think it was meant no, like that no I don't that. think it was meant as an insult no. at all I think, but then yeah. he says, "Like, yeah, I'm maybe less of a man than you are, but then I overcompensate by speaking in public and yeah. that was just... <laughs> I didn't think that was very nice. No. But yeah. But then it's not that she doesn't speak in public. Like she's really like a, as um as writers go, like she is not a recluse at all. She goes and does everything. Like you know, we found that article where she uh, interviewed the Spice Girls. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> And like, she's even on TV while he's writing one of the emails to her. Yeah. And he comments on it. But I think I think yeah, it was interesting. She says on they said on uh, on page 97 90, 91 when um they're talking a little bit about Bataille and his notion of like community, and then she starts mentioning. She mentions how um, kind of one of the problems with like communism is this: is this uh, that there's no recognition of radical difference. And I think yeah, that kind of speaks to the the concern that um, that you were talking about, like finding the radical potential agenda being in difference and being able to be different from one another, um, but also like it not being fixed and like so much of kind of communist thought is about trying to dissolve it into this kind of mush, <laughs> and, and, which is where you, you know, you aren't allowed to be different. And I think like this, yeah, I, I, this, this critical strand that runs through the book is really, really interesting. I think I need to like give it more time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was so interested in all the critical um, thoughts that they bring up, both of them, because I know nothing about anything that they talk about. <laughs> um, but they talk about it because they have, they understand each other so well. Like they both come from the same um, academic artsy background. So they, they speak to each other in a kind of shorthand that means that anyone us reading it we don't have that same like they don't write pedagogically to us because they're not trying to explain anything to us no and they have like the same frame of reference yeah, for exactly. all these theories yeah so i was left completely like i have no idea what's going on but it's all very seductive because you sound so clever <laughs> yeah exactly and there was another thing when i tried to read her like her, her normal prose yeah. 
it always seems sort of like cut off and a little bit stupid, um, like the the eye mm. in her books. Yeah. But but I mean, she's so smart. She's so smart. Can I say another thing? Because this really, it <laughs> drove, sorry, it just drove me mad. Like she throughout the entire thing, um, this thing about roles, like they both take on the teacher role, kind of. Um, at different points and she keeps asking him to like oh tell me about men explain men to me explain this to me explain blowjobs to me yeah blowjob um, theory yeah blowjob theory <laughs> yeah. and um he actually several times asked to take you know talk about Bataille and Blancho and eventually like after being told several times she goes on this like a long well not rant but she talks about them for a very long time and it was it was it just blew me away and she had to like be sort of forced into that role mm. Towards this guy that she has a crush on, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it just it irritated me. Yeah, it seems like they're both trying to make the other person into the teacher, yeah. and they both want to take on like yeah the role yeah. of the students. Yeah, which I think is kind of, I think that's really nice. It is really nice. <laughs> it, it shows there uh, there's like a mutual respect or at least an idea that you can learn from the other person and that you don't want to be in the role of of the dominant one. Mm. Um, which I guess also kind of plays into their whole discussion about what they call, I guess, the butch femme. Mm. Yeah, but, yeah, the but, butch femme and top bottom. And top bottom, which I didn't find very interesting, to be honest. And they kept discussing it. And I was like, just get over it. <laughs> right to each other. I feel like there were... Like two people. They were definitely... <laughs> sorry. I just I read it so many times and I just loved it. And um, <laughs> at this stage, I was like, no, you clearly... So they're flirting with each other yeah. the whole time. And here they clearly... I can't remember if this is before she's told him that she's very into him and all that stuff. Um, but it all read to me. Like everything they said to me read as like a kind of... It's just this courtship that you witness. And them talking about the top-bottom thing. It was so... It was so like sensual and seductive in a way. Like watching them write to each other yeah. about it. Um, it's like the kind of the the queer sex ritual of like what are you into? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like having that discussion. Yeah, I understand the yeah. need to have such a discussion. I just feel like through that discussion, they're basically hiding their own intentions of wanting to have sex with each other. Yeah, which pisses me off so much. No, like, just say I mean, it. if they if we would read like. I mean, it would be such a boring email correspondence mm. if they had just been like, oh, yeah, I want to be in the bottom. <laughs> That's good because I want to be at top. Well, how do you feel? I'm fine with this, but yeah. like, this is my limit, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is, yeah, this is how they're like, yeah, seducing each other yeah. and trying to explain themselves yeah. by being impersonal and mm. doing it through theory. And I thought that that was just so charming. It was so charming. And actually, Ken Walk mentions it at one time, uh, at one point, because uh, I was also like, why don't you just tell each other that you like each other? It's so yeah. obvious. Um, <laughs> and then they actually start talking about flirting. And he starts telling her about on page 69, he starts talking about um, this married woman who wants to, uh, who was flirting with him all night. Mm. And he apparently was flirting with her as well. And then he says... Um, Something like, I don't know why I was doing it. I don't even really want to have sex with her or anything. Sometimes the flirting is as good as it gets, the sheer unlimited possibility of it. And um, yeah, that was that was kind of an eye-opener for me, like the whole thing that it's not, the sex isn't the point of the thing. They also get back to that at another stage. Yeah, Like they return to that at several times, that the sex isn't necessarily like why they're doing it, the whole, the leading up to it and the being near each other and flirting yeah. um, is almost as good or better. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess I had a hard time kind of envisioning who these two people were and how they would talk to each other if they met in real life, which they did. And uh, yeah, I felt like they were very distant from me, though I do feel that they had some really um, succinct points about gender differences and 
the importance of discussing if you are queer, as probably we all in ways are, you know, what what kind of fluidity that entails and the discussions that that entails. But yeah, I felt like there were these distant characters that I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't really get to the the bottom of or even under the surface of. I felt like all these emails were just so much surface despite pretending to expose the bottom. And I guess I don't like that. I mean, it's I I can see why it's interesting, but I guess personally I I didn't like it. <laughs> it's curious because there's this dynamic of like it's a very early courtship kind of period of time, mm. which is this strange moment in time where you're trying to like become sort of available to this person you're talking to, but also impressive to them. And <laughs> the most impressive. Yeah, I mean, like, otherwise, like, no one, like, pe- people actually just like to be impressed. <laughs> I'm going to write this down, making available and impressive. <laughs> available and impressive. <laughs> this is my next flirting <laughs> I feel like I learned so much about flirting and sex. <laughs> no, but I mean... So I think there's that weird thing of like it's a surface, but I feel like it's a surface that it's almost like what it tell what it's saying explicitly won't be what it's telling you, but what's telling you by the fact that they've had to say it is is the point where you find the depth of like like when you feel you have to come up and go, what am I what am I talking about? No, I get it. I I felt like there's a lot of there there are a lot of extremes in the book, and there's I can't remember I didn't write down when he says it, but uh, Walk also at some stage says something like. Um, uh, that people always oscillate between straight mm. and gay, and I feel like that can be sort of trans. That oscillation, the idea of that, can be transferred to the whole book because they're constantly oscillating between like the surface and intimacy, um, mm. and male, female, masculine, feminine, uh, straight, gay, uh, teacher, student, um, love, sex, flirting, all the things. There's a constant os- oscillation, and I feel like that's what makes it so interesting. And Akka also at some stage says that she loves ambiguity and she'd be bored without it. But then later she says, I, I can't live without some certainty in these areas. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that there's also even more ambiguity in that, but they can both sign off their emails K. Yeah. <laughs> KXX. And it's, <laughs> like it's very like overt scene of like, who are we? We're kind of the same person or maybe not. Or, or we're, both, we're both tops, we're both bottoms, we're both uh, butch, both femme. It's, um, but another thing, I mean, you guys have all read uh, Chris Krause's I Love Dick, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This felt like sort of a companion book to that. Well, um, Chris Krause has also written a biography of Kathy Ak- which Yeah, is so we have awkward. to wait until September okay. to read it. Um, I've only read this in Chris Krause's book about like uh, Dom and Sop relationships. And I think it's especially in Aliens and RxG as he talks about mm. like how that works for her. That was because it's the only kind of sexual relationship where people hold their end of the bargain. Um, because the bargain has limits. Um, and Kathy Acker talks a lot about that as well. Like, she's not into these, like, um, power plays outside the bedroom. Yeah, that she wants the certainty, right? Mm. And she, her frame of reference is also these uh, dominant relationships. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is actually fascinating, I think, the, the way that... Um, I think it's really interesting also the, yeah, the, that there's, there's, like, this kind of radical potential in the relationship by, like, like by accepting that there will be some kind of power play happening within a sexual context, but then that that does not in any way need to spill over into daily life or into like your daily activities, into your artistic practice, into your expression as an individual and a person. And that what you, yeah, partic- what particular fetishes or things that you have are kind of of particular and then and they can be practiced, but they, and they should be open, but that's not, 
it doesn't necessarily spill over. And that I think that was a yeah, that was a really nice discussion. That was quite well stated. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like I think it is it in, in, in the introduction that he mentions. I think he puts it such that um, queer is the only ethical position. Mm. Is that in the introduction that he writes? They're trying to have this discussion about gender, about sex. Yeah. From this sort of viewpoint that queer is the only ethical position you can take. And I really like that. And that plays throughout the book. And and my favorite part of this book was the drunk, very truthful email from Kathy Acker at some point where she mentions what you just said, uh, Gio, you know, I don't like power plays outside of the bedroom and this and this whole correspondence is like a kind of avoidance and yet a deep avoidance of power play and yet deeply embedded in power yeah. play. Yeah. And so I felt like that email was like a breath of fresh air and the correspondence also kind of changed after that because the cards were kind of on the table and you she couldn't take it back and Ken Work had to respond to it somehow yeah. but didn't do it quite adequately if if you ask me. Yeah, you know, she's kind of laid bare. Finally, yeah. her whole. But also, I mean, yeah. the whole academic discussions they have. Mm. I mean, that's a power play as well. Exactly. And yeah, yeah, all of it. And yeah. then she makes like yeah, this long drunk email where she's like, she's had enough. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's one of those where in the morning you think, should I have clicked on this <laughs> one? <laughs> but she never apologized. Yeah, no, she, she never no, apologized. Uh, yeah, and yeah. That, I really like that because I had expected. Okay, so she's, she's gonna. Send there's one like the in apology the email afterwards. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like eight Didn't hours mean later. Anything by that? Fuck. <laughs> nope. But I think also when we were talking about the teacher, that they each want the other to be the teacher. Like that plays into also uh, Mackenzie Wark's idea that she is like this older, more famous academic than he is but it also plays into her wanting to dismantle this myth of Kathy Acker you know mm. to say to him actually I'm I'm just another person and you can teach me many things as well yeah but they're like kind of in this play they're kind of always talking by each other or like yeah. past each other past kind of, each other yeah. yeah and it's it's it is really frustrating to read sometimes because you know that they're both aware of the the roles that they they're aware of how the other person sees them and they're both aware that they're projecting their ideas of the person onto the other person and that the other person is doing that to them <laughs> and it becomes this big mind game. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, f I feel like Kathyak is very aware of, either very aware of how he sees her as like this teacher mm -hmm. character because she's constantly apologizing and putting herself down yeah. and talking about her, how her writing is crap and says, oh, you must hate me now and I'm so, I'm such a, Slob and I always write about myself. I'm yeah, so and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm so narcissistic. Yeah. All these things, and he never apologizes. No. Like sometimes he's like, "No, it's fine," which is exactly man woman. <laughs> exactly. I would just like to point out. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in the introduction, we learn that um, it's a very good close friend who also appears in the book, um, who has written the introduction, and he says that he and Ken Work can ask this. Uh, famous writer, author that they both liked, to write the introduction and he had declined because it was just too personal. Mm. Um, he had said something like, it was like going through someone's underwear drawer. Mm. But did you have that feeling when you read the book that yeah. like, this is very personal, <laughs> I am... Um... Yeah, totally. Yeah? Yeah. I didn't have that feeling at all. No, mainly because either. Maybe because I don't know the characters and I don't know the people they refer mm. to. So I felt like... Again, because I felt all of it was quite surface, and I guess I didn't feel like, uh, like, um, yeah, like I was digging into anyone's private life at all. I do feel <coughs> that his point in the introduction that Kathy Acker probably would not have wanted these emails to be published was a bit, bit disconcerting. 
very <laughs> <laughs> also how he like and he's but she's dead yeah he exactly as he put it I know I was like I that's mean, blunt I mean she, she is dead she's dead that's true <laughs> and I do agree with him that a writer lives on in in the words that they have written so here are some more yeah. words but it is strange when the words are just like it's weird when like you don't even have to commit to a stamp price to make a word a word anymore. <laughs> like you have to just... It's just click send. Just click but send. But it's also a strange thing today, right? Because before you could just burn your notebooks before you died. Yeah. Um, now Facebook now, has them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and someone has your emails and yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. But uh, no, to me neither. It didn't feel uh, personal. Be- mm. I mean, both because they talk about so many things in academia um, and there's so much mm. theory in it that... Mm. But it never really feels personal. And also because the things that maybe are personal are so easily recognizable. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, it everyone doesn't feel is, as if anyone yeah. is truly exposing themselves in those emails yeah. either. Everyone has kind of been in this situation before, even if they're not academics talking or flirting in this yeah, way. Yeah, and it never you're really trying gets to figure out the either. other person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that the person they wanted to introduce it was Chris Krauss or something. But since she's written a book about Kathy Acker, I'm thinking that... Maybe, yeah. maybe she's. And I it's mean, not her. she doesn't seem like I don't know too keen on personal boundaries. <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I wouldn't assume it, that it was her. Can we talk about the gossip about Chris Kraus and uh, Sylvia Lotringer and other famous authors <laughs> in this book? Well, oh, yeah, there's like so that. much name dropping. Yeah. I, I really like that um, she's both like uh, very openly critical about Sylvia and his attitude, and they both kind of like bitch about how he's um, very controlling and manipulative. And in, it, this book comes out on his publishing company, <laughs> so it's. Um, um, he has the money. That and and, and mean, that, well, not, not really. <laughs> he always it's seems so like an ass, but in the books where he seems like an ass, he's published them. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> he must have like a great ego, which, which can just take all blows. There's a nice, there's a nice, um, there's a remark in uh, uh, Anti Oedipus where they say that uh, capitalism um, is completely illiterate. And I think maybe Silver, as a good friend of Blues and Grittari, probably has adopted that approach to his running of his publishing company. Like, <laughs> I can't read this. <laughs> But you say it's good. <laughs> Another name dropping. She calls. Um, she just talks about Felix at one point, and then you realize, oh, it's it's, it's Felix Katari. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were these all in like the same, just in the well, same mold in the nineties? Well, Felix Katari, you know, he he died in ninety two, so he's okay. more of a seventies guy. But like, um, he would have he yeah. I mean, then she's also a seventies person as well. Like the yeah, they've got a good long span of the late twentieth century here. Mm. But I mean, speaking of the nineties and the emails and the how can my phone thing ring when I'm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, one thing I was thinking, like, internet was so ridiculously expensive per minute back then. Why were they writing each other online? Why not, like, read it, write it in Word and then copy-paste and then send? Um, but that's just me. <laughs> um, to save money. It's like, hello, you guys. Um, <laughs> I have an obvious Another thing you. is, yeah, they're discussing gender so much, but it's just around the town when time, when gender trouble got out, wasn't it? Like, no, I think they mentioned They mentioned it in the, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that got out in when, was it like 94, 92 or something? Oh, I should have yeah, yeah, looked so it up. Would have been like, yeah, it would have been like the height of third wave. Yeah. Kind of. She's actually translating yeah. a Judith Butler text into French, I think. I know the, that kind of revealed to me the extent of her knowledge, which yeah. is like, oh, I'm just translating Butler into French. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. some serious yeah. business. And which is also fun because considering how much like kind of like does hate Derridians like Judith Butler, they're like, oh, why, why are they doing this? This seems very strange. Like, <laughs> yes, the, the hate of Derrida is very yeah, it's present very, very and it's delightful. Palpable, as they say, that link, like language is this mis... And that's also the thing which comes up because this is all 
all this. These are people who are clearly like live within language as their kind of main tool, but they're yeah. also incredibly frustrated by it, and they just do not buy this argument that we can just find all the little tricks and, and, and clues in the words. And I really like the remark that um, uh, uh, Ken Walk brings up from Deleuze, like, uh, the language is a sphinx without a riddle. <laughs> yeah, it's really lovely. And I do love the really afterword where the, where the person writing the afterword is like, yeah, I went that down that Deridian path that we all hated <laughs> in the 90s. Speaking Sorry. of the afterward, um, Kathy Ackerman calls herself a style sponge at one point after talking about Jelenic. Yeah. Um, and I noticed after she does the, the drunken rant, mm-hmm. um, Ken Walk sort of becomes a style sponge and like takes on the characteristics of her writing to some degree. Yeah. A bit like we mirror each other's mimic, like when in empathy. Exactly, yeah. And then when you read the 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 afterward, I felt like he was being a style yeah, sponge. Yeah, he was a total spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he, was that, trying, he was trying to do both of them, though. Mm, it was kind of creepy. Awkward. Yeah, it's, it read really awkwardly. The but afterward. that's another thing where I think like she is just the greater writer in this because oh, yeah. she has so many precise expressions and words that I hadn't heard before. And she is so good at like, yeah, putting her thoughts into words. And I felt the complete opposite. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I felt like, I mean, I felt that there were like these golden nuggets in this huge <laughs> mess of parentheses and run-on sentences. Yeah. But I felt that actually Mackenzie Ward, to me, had some really lovely sentences that yeah. I really liked. Much more lucid in many ways. But I think the difference between them, which they also mentioned at some point, which I really like, is that whereas Mackenzie Ward is obviously like, kind of think like very cerebral, very like thinking through analysis. She mentions that she does her thinking through emotions and yeah. only afterwards do they come into words and do they come yeah. into like a rational yeah. idea. And that's kind of, I guess, what we're seeing on the page that there are just all mm. these emotions that need to come out mm. before mm. actual ideas can... Ex- yeah, yeah, yeah and then she gets to it. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. I think like if, if there's like a superiority of her as a writer, it's that her writing is distinct as a style. And yeah. it, it's not like... Because it's not, it's not that it's just like... It's not. It's technically incorrect, but that makes the write like it's more of her thoughts as thoughts than they are as writing. And the writing is just kind of this kind of ridiculous obstacle in the way <laughs> of trying to get the thought out. And like, if it, if there was another way, you should do that. Which apparently there was. There's music as well. <laughs> but yeah, and I've I've I felt the same as you. You, I felt that um, uh, Kathy's writing was so. Even though her sentences were long and complicated and confused, I felt like I got more out of them than I got out of um, Walk's sentences mm. that were very sort of compacted and dense. Mm. Um, but I felt like he was he was being s- obscure in an intentional way to sort of, and I I felt very suspicious of that <laughs> kind of like what you said in the beginning, Macon. <laughs> I felt like he was trying to say, oh, he was. I felt like he was hiding something that he wasn't entirely sure of, and I. And when she would just like, just write everything, I was like, okay, I can totally see what you're doing, and this is awesome. And, but another thing is that I mean, yeah, her style of writing it's so charming, and then she talks about all her teddy bears and all that <laughs> stuff, and she is obviously really smart and well read and mm-hmm. can translate stuff into French. Yeah. But it's also as if she's making herself a little bit more stupid or is like yeah. trying to veil herself in like not being too um, both superior, but uh, yeah, smarter and what intimidating, right? Mm. Mm. That she has to yeah make herself yeah. a little bit smaller than she actually is because she yeah. seems as if she can do anything. Yeah, we find clues of that when like she talks about her relationship with Sylvain and like mm. how he was this kind of dominating figure and like through her whole life is this 
kind of quasi-romantic, somewhat exploitative guy who would be the barometer by which she judged her own intelligence and like his reactions to her idea. It was like that. That seems like a thing. Is that is that you know? Does that seem like? But you yeah. also, I mean, seem as if yeah, she has been looking for teachers, um, probably also in Silver mm. and. Yeah. But maybe they she couldn't find them because actually she's really fucking smart. <laughs> she's really fucking smart and she's an amazing writer and I think her prose is really rare and yeah, just really brilliant. So yeah, I'm thinking that must be really lonely. Mm. And then yeah, you yeah. have to make yourself smaller so other people mm. can fit into that space as well. Yeah. Her, her emails seem and I think it's written in the app in the maybe the introduction but or maybe the review that you sent out, Gio, but they just seem to come from such a lonely place yeah. Yeah. where she's drunk all the time. She's mm, mostly... Not, not that. No. Okay, she's <laughs> drunk a lot Excuse of the me, time. touchy over here. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't drink that much. I literally felt that in half of her emails, it's like, excuse the spelling, I'm very drunk, which I find, which is perfectly acceptable. <laughs> but I also just thought, you know, who is... It's it, it it is this like academic rock and roll where she seems just seriously vulnerable and and then just drinks and writes and overworks like and 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 it just does not seem healthy mm. and it does not seem very social or very like connected to other people. I felt kind of bad for her throughout this book. Shit, I thought she was living the dream. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's definitely in the precarious right? Um, and has these shitty uh, teacher jobs and all that. Yeah. But I mean, I thought it sounded lovely. It sounded amazing, and um, I was I was also quite frustrated by how she sort of puts herself down all the time and yeah. makes herself smaller. But then at the end, mm-hmm. when this whole um, when the emails start getting mixed up, and you you suddenly you get all of her emails responding to all of his emails that you haven't read yet and her responses are like kind of indignant and they're like no i this sounds wrong i don't agree with this at all and then she finally starts saying like no this is this is bullshit yeah um is that how it was were they <laughs> upside down in a way uh that some, some of the stage. emails are we are reading some of the emails before uh, yeah I don't understand that. <laughs> it would be it would be fun to get this collection as an interactive like set of emails that you could reorder, so you could read like the threads as threads, yeah. Instead of like in mm. this order, instead of like the temporal order they're reflected in here, mm. um, just to see how like <clears throat> different logics emerge and different ways of reading it. Um, yeah, it is yeah. a kind of puzzle that you could just kind of. Move but around. I, I'd also been wondering what would it do to this text if um, we didn't have like the email info. On top of every mm. um, text byte, and said, yeah. and yeah, would we even be able to like really? Yeah, we would definitely be able to like uh, see that it is distinct voices. But if Ken Wark's name wasn't there yeah. and set him out, like told us that he was a person, he would sound like I don't know a weird ghost voice or something <laughs> like that. Well, um, maybe, yeah. yeah, he just. Like the he doesn't expose a lot in these emails and he does sort of become to me like a blank screen for her writing um mm. that yeah that like an excuse for her writing that she can write against mm. yep. and it's definitely her writing that is the sharpest in these mails and he's yeah he's more like responding to her um yeah but I know that you guys have very strong opinions about the intro and outro text. <laughs> I mean, the intro text is uh, from this Matthias guy who is a good friend. Um, and the outro is Jan Kinsella. Mm. And I mean, I didn't really care that much about them. Um, I, I thought that Jan Kinsella was, it seemed like he was sort of trying to mimic her 
very upbeat, rambling style of writing. Mm. But I mean, yeah. I didn't really care. I think Failed. the intro text is way more um, sympathetic. I, I really like mm. the, the intro. Seems like a useful thing to have in this book. Yeah. yeah. The outro text uh, is just to make it book sized. Like, I think like the whole thing is like go like I talked to Ken once and I never met Kathy. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of that kind of vibe about it. I don't know those people, but it's just like it's just, it's just. Yeah, I didn't understand what the point. It, there's a I quite like there's Kathy. a perfectly acceptable I introduction, and then there's this odd outro, which I think it's honestly just to make it book sized. <laughs> But I, yeah, and I don't even book. know why he's there because it's not like his name. I mean, he's a famous author, but it's not like his name is on the book, so that will make you buy it. Um, didn't really <laughs> get why he <laughs> was there. I didn't, I didn't want these emails. I just want the outdoor. Um It's as if they can't. They don't. It's as if they were afraid to let these two people's words kind of stand on their own. I mean, the introduction I feel has some value to it also because it mentions this thing that the author who was going to write the introduction felt was too personal. Yeah. So you have this idea of what you're moving into. And we're making it more literal by, yeah, yeah, or liter, 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 <laughs> sorry, literary, yeah. Yeah. literal, <laughs> literary. Yeah. How, yeah. how am I going to cut that in? <laughs> uh, but I felt like it would, the, the last email is just perfect. And it should just have ended there. Yeah, yeah that was beautiful yeah. the way it ended. I had no idea what it meant, but it it was amazing. Yeah. I loved it so much. Especially because like that whole sort of she goes on that um, several day long road trip on a motorbike. Yeah. And we know that they have a phone call while she's away. Yeah. And the emails pick up again and suddenly she just starts saying no to him and starts disagreeing with him. And then we have a picture and then the last email. Yeah. And I just, oh, it was so wonderful. It was really novel-like in, in that way. I mm. felt like it had a, a specific narrative arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, who doesn't want their book to end with every time you dream I am fucking you, this is what happens. That was amazing. <laughs> no need for an outro. No. Another thing was I learned Absolutely. so much about sex. Like, <laughs> more than I thought possible. What about fisting, though? <laughs> <laughs> so many things about fisting and so many things I don't understand. Like, the whole, they had a very in-depth discussion about coming while pissing or pissing while coming, and yeah. I still don't understand it, and it's just, I have yeah. so many questions. I think it's a very, very female-specific phenomenon. <laughs> just, just in terms of logistics and space, I think it's... And I biology. thought it was a guy. Yeah. Hey, no, no, it was, it, was, it was girls. Wasn't it girls? I thought it was a dude. I mean, Actually, no, there was, was one where they was, started discussing amazing. whether men, like how men could put off coming and how it could be trained. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking That of. stuff, that was men. Okay, yeah. With yeah. dicks. Yeah. yeah. Is what I remember. Yeah. I liked also the idea that the dick was a very, uh, it was a kind of aggressively centralizing force. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, if only it could be, you know, more diffuse. But no, you have to try and fight with that yeah. centralizing tendency. Yeah. Um, and that he was like, am I... Uh, what did he say? Like, I'm getting turned on in a very dick-centric way these days or something mm. like this. I'm like, oh, I guess you can be turned on in different ways, even <laughs> if you are a man. <laughs> or like the absent center, they called it yeah. as well. Yeah. They said some very beautiful things, like sex-related romantic yes. things. At one stage, he was like, I wanted to adore you by making you come. And I was like, oh, that's so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. But I also um, love this um, part in the book where... So the book starts and we don't really know what's gone on between them in Australia, except that they've met and that they've spent a few nights together. And that he was sort of a dick. We know that as yeah. well. 
Well, yeah, but no, you don't know that until at some point Mm. in an email far, far along, she Mm. writes, what was up with the fact that you did not touch me the last night? And you're like, whoa, this has been lying there the whole time. (laughs) And also, she wasn't even sure that he wanted to be her friend or like that he even really liked her. Yeah. And when you say like, yeah, we learned that in an email far along. I mean, these emails only last two weeks and you read and you read and you read and you're like, shit, only three days has gone by. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's still very soon that she asks him. But he sounds like he... I mean, and then later she says, but you were very good to me in Australia and I would like to, like, repay that courtesy. But then also, like, maybe this is the kind of combination of things. Like, they can be, like, good to one another, but then also they have their own kind of insecurities and foibles and kind of ways in which they're fucked up. And so, like, it's... What I think was really nice is, like, as they go into depth uh, talking to each other you start to get the, that level of complexity of like, I can like you and you're a mess mm. and you're kind of weird to me, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean you don't like me, but it's because you're kind of weird. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and like your weirdness is not always about me. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a really nice thing that comes across. Like that, that can come out in this time. But I felt like that was really a point, uh, a turning point in their correspondence when she finally lays this question out. And she does it in like a bullet form. She's like, you have to answer these questions for Mm -hmm. me. And it seems like making it bullet point, she's kind of making herself ask the questions. And the first is like, why did you not touch me the last night we were together? Uh, And then the third is like, you know, something about Bataille or something. (laughs) (laughs) Completely irrelevant to what they're trying to say. No, probably very relevant. And, uh, And he kind of addresses it. But not really. And I feel like she's always the first one to lay the big stuff out there. And when I read that email, I suddenly understood the the correspondence that had gone on beforehand and how many things were kind of layered in there. Mm. Yeah. I feel like she's definitely more into him as a as a person, like as a person yeah. she's met and yeah. is infatuated with. And he's more into her as Kathy Acker, this public persona yeah. that he has an idea of and wants to impress. Yeah. But can I ask you guys, if I may, about this title? Yeah. I'm very into you. A lot of the introduction kind of is very hooked on this is where the magic happens when she finally states, I'm very into you. I found this part, which is in the middle of some email somewhere along, quite flat. Like I felt there were other parts that were much more mm. like uh, ex- um, exposing yeah. than to her, I'm very into you. But it's the point where she speaks very bluntly, right? Yeah. And goes, mm. because also it's sort of, um, an understatement, right? You could say a lot of... Because she's been rambling so much, you you would expect her to go like, I am so fucking into you. Mm. Uh, but, and, but it seems so honest, just going like, I'm very into you. Yeah. Um, and so vulnerable saying that. So I can see why that is an important mm. sentence. Especially because she ends this long rambling email with yeah. this very short sentence and yeah. doesn't say anything after it. It, it has mm. like a real punch to it. Yeah. Yeah, after she said like so many things about her cats and uh, yeah, it's become deformed because she like sleeps with it and how her teddy bears are so penetrable and all this stuff about gender and she's been ranting about motorcycles and like, yeah, they're circling each other all the time. And then she just goes like, boom, I'm very into you. Maybe I just feel it's like a half-assed love declaration. But I do see it at, as a kind of period at the end of this email, it has a kind of effect. Yeah, and it seems as an understatement, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just like yeah, like so a much. way of saying like I really like you, but I'm not going to put myself <laughs> out there. But and but she does, yeah. Yeah. she really does. 
if I can, I just want to like I'm, I'm going to make a case for things. Like I, I, I think there's a temptation when we talk about like theorists doing this kind of shit together, or like people who are into theory, <laughs> as if thinking that the theory was like just kind of this superficial add-on. And as someone who's really into theory, <laughs> I want to say that I think it's sort of unfair because <laughs> like to the poor creatures that we are, like we kind of structure a lot of what we know about the world through it. And so it's like, I think it's, I think when you start trying to theorize with someone, it's kind of like, it is definitely a, a very flirty game where you start to like play with like sort of tools and tricks and, and, but they're also tricks that you've worked on and developed and they're close to your identity and they're also how you understand the world and like finding resonances between that. You know, it, I, I don't think you'd say the same thing about musicians who improvise together. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like reading it. It was like any conversation I've ever had with some pretentious philosophy student. Oh my god, <laughs> I didn't think I so felt at all. So I, mean, I thought it was a great r- language and a great, uh, yeah, way of expressing yourself through this. I see your point. I just, I guess, I'm just not into theory in the same way. Aww. I think. Definitely, there's theor- like the Deridians they're talking about. That's the, that's who the problem is. They're, they are the, they are the worst. Okay. No, I, d- I definitely agree. I felt like they embodied again the bodily experience thing. I felt like that's what they did with the theory. They they lived it and uh, talked about their mm, or tried to. Yeah. Or tra- yeah. Yeah. I think maybe it's my it's my uh, skepticism about living this theory. It seems as if it hinders more than it helps. But then again, there's lots of work to do in the world that does require a lot of hindrance and not, you know, that it's, mm. it's just maybe they are doing the ethical thing by living through this kind of theory. But I just felt it, it just complicated a lot of things that did not need to be so complicated. In I my thought it made a lot of, of things a lot clearer because people always like circle each other and express themselves in like different ways than how they actually want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this seemed like mm. a clearer language than what like you would have done. Yeah. If you didn't know, have this knowledge, I think people circle each other and like they circle each other all the time anyway, and they don't clearly express themselves anyway. So I think like if you do it with long, longer words, maybe I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like incredible. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just weird. That's not and weird. Always completely earnest in everything <laughs> I say. No, I think, I think the, the thing is, like, I don't think it's separate from being earnest. I think like yeah. I think like there's definitely times when I'm look, talking to someone about something and I'm like. Shit! You, if I try and explain what I actually mean here, it's not going to come across <laughs> because like the only way I can do it is with these frames of reference, and it's just like so. I think that to some people that is earnest, and I think yeah. that they shouldn't be necessarily put as like oppositions. I think that was a great ending note because we do have to end this. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, no. I'm just getting started. I'm so happy. I do like them. They're okay. <laughs> <laughs> they seem nice. <laughs> It's a strange question to ask, but I always ask this. Um, but it's really weird because it's yeah, it, it, it's a strange book. Uh, it's an email correspondence. <laughs> but I mean, would you recommend this, Amelia? <laughs> I wouldn't recommend this book. I'd rec- only recommend it to people who really love "I Love Dick" by Chris Kraus and who want to get into all of that. But uh, it's not my cup of tea. I do love the email medium, though. Mm-hmm. That made it interesting. I mm-hmm. liked, and I liked how the introduction situated it in a very sort of contextual '90s theory, third wave feminism, queer just is a thing just happening place. 
And in that sense, as the historian in me kind of liked it, that there's like the sense of a digging out of what was happening at this time. Mm. But I would, I probably wouldn't recommend it to a wide range of people, no. no. <laughs> and you, Sarah? I would recommend it to everyone. <laughs> and, <I> would... <laughs> and they'd look at me like, why? Oh, yeah, why? Who are you? <laughs> Not until afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. I loved it. I, I can say so many great things about it. And yeah, I would just, I think I'm going to buy 15 coffees and just hand them out to people. But did, did this make you want to read her books? Yes. yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But did this make you want to read his theory books? No. No. I didn't know. Well, yes. the thing is, <laughs> the theory nerd over there. The funny thing is I got a much more, uh, I got a much more clear idea of what she was about her theory then I got an idea of what his theory was yeah. about so I, mm. I don't really know what he is except a book called Virtual Geography which is a fancy name he's an artist and media is his form <laughs> <laughs> oh true he does say that <laughs> which I thought like oh man, if that was meaningful imagine what that could be yeah <laughs> Or maybe like instead of recommending it or as an addition to would you recommend it, Megan, would you read it again? Yeah. Both? I would I would both I recommend it to I mean, I would be selective about who recommended it to. Mm. However, probably less selective than Amelia would be. <laughs> like I think I think I think there's also like it's I think it's not just like a kind of pure theory thing. I think I think it could also be appealing to kind of, you know, artsy types who aren't theory-ish but like think like, oh, I like books about relationships and I wish There were I ones had that one. made sense. I wish I had one. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, I think I would read it again because I think there's there's stuff to mine out of it. Um, I think I think there's, there's obviously there's never going to be a final analysis of this thing. Thank you, Derrida. Um, <laughs> but I think you, you get the kind of like everything that's written here is sort of like a gesture of an idea or a concept or something they could um, expand on further. And and it's maybe just fun to like look at those gestures again and see what else they could do. Um, I think it's a brilliant thing and I'm glad they defied Kathy Akersko's to publish it. Mm. Hi, listener. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having listened. Um, we're going to take June off the ARC Audiobook Club, but we'll be back in July with a mystery book which we'll try and tell you about in fact. <laughs> <laughs> so you can read along. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Everything is planned. <laughs> <laughs> Glorious revolution. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>